0: Hey everybody, we are today um, doing one more uh, kind of brief little uh, topical uh, address today as we think through things and then we jump back into Luke next week. So where I would love for you to turn if you could today is Hebrews chapter 10. Uh, Hebrews chapter 10. As we look at Hebrews chapter 10, I will read it. Not in its entirety, but we will look at verses 19 through 25. Hebrews chapter 10, 19 through 25. If you don't have a Bible, there should be one on a road near you. Ask a neighbor for it. Uh, We will be using God's Word to instruct us as we go. And so today, (coughs) excuse me. I will read in Hebrews chapter 10, and then I'll pray. The Word of God reads as follows, verse 19 of chapter 10. Therefore, brothers, since we have confidence to enter the holy places by the blood of Jesus, by the new and living way that He opened for us through the curtain, that is, through His flesh, And since we have a great high priest over the house of God, let us draw near with a true heart in full assurance of faith, with our hearts sprinkled clean from an evil conscience and our bodies washed with pure water. Let us hold fast the confession of our hope without wavering, for he who promised is faithful. And let us consider How to stir up one another to love and good works, not neglecting to meet together as is the habit of some, but encouraging one another and all the more as you see the day drawing near. Let me pray. Father, shepherd us right now. We are sheep that go astray. We eat of things we shouldn't eat. We get confused so easily. We prioritize things that should be secondary. And we just need our eyes opened that we might see you with clarity. And we plead that our hearts would leap for joy in who you are Not just who you are for us, for that is unfathomable, but who you are just in your nature. Everything that we would ever long for that is holy, right, and good, our minds only comprehend a fraction of its fullest expression in your character and nature. Strike us with your glory, I pray today, in a good way, that our hearts smile and our lives are changed. We need a reorientation. We just ask you to center us on what is central. We pray this in Jesus' name, amen. There's no more important question than the question why. Why? Why? why do we do what we do if a surgeon comes into an operating room and doesn't know the answer to that question I want he or she to walk right back out (laughs) if they're thinking brain surgery and I'm thinking appendix you know there's a big difference they need to know why they are in the room why is a massively important question when you are asked to make a meal for someone why you are doing that is important Is it for your family? Is it a presidential meal? Is it a meal for a school cafeteria? It matters both in volume and in quantity and how much time you prep. Why you are doing what you do matters. Our lives are the same. Why are you here on planet earth? Why are we here as a church? We've summarized it with a statement that I think Statements can get dull, they can get boring, they can seem trite, they can seem unapplicable or impractical, but we've summarized it in a statement. We exist, it's a state of why we are. We exist to make disciples who treasure Christ, love the church, love the city, that is your neighbors around you, and love the world. This is the mission statement of my life. This is the mission statement of the church. When I think about goals for my marriage, that's it. When I think about goals for my kids, that's it. When I pray for you, that's what I pray. Because it's why we exist. To be disciples who love and embrace Jesus. And love their neighbor as themselves and that neighbor love begins with the household of God and it extends to those who are near to you and it must go to those who have never heard. These things are not optional. It's not just a good flavor of the month. It's just who we are and what we were crafted to be. To be disciples who then aren't content with just feasting on that themselves but want to make others who enjoy that as well. And I heard an amen. I like it. We exist, we are here to treasure Christ and to love our neighbor as ourselves. And friends, I, like you, get confused. I get sidetracked. I get derailed. Don't you? We wouldn't say it with our mouths, but everything in us says something else. I exist to make money. I exist to be comfortable. I exist to have the most advanced and the smartest or most athletic children. I exist to have no problems. I exist to be known and to be loved by others. That's why I'm here. I'm here to win. Some of you have that drive. I'm here to impress. Why are you here? The reason you are here will be everything to you. It'll be your identity. It'll be your world. It'll be why you sacrifice. It'll be what you think most about. It'll be what takes the bulk of your free time, your pursuit, your resources. The answer to that question matters. Why? Well, as a pastoral team, ground zero of why was Easter Sunday. There is a beautiful Savior who gave his most beautiful life. That wretched people who should not be valued were prized beyond belief through a Savior who died. For people who would neglect him and reject him and ultimately crucify him. You get no more central than a Savior who did what we have fought to do and couldn't do. Who showed the trajectory of life clearer than anyone could show it. Who died the death that our sins deserve. Who took the wrath of God that our sins justly should have taken. Who three days later rose from the dead. So that we don't have to be consigned to sin. And we don't have to be given to secondary pleasures. And the answer to the why is summarized in the Savior. Why do we exist It is to treasure and love and adore and because He is who He is, to give away Jesus Christ. But for a statement that I bank my life on, I am to be and to make disciples that treasure Christ, love the church, love the city, love the world. I just know it. I feel it. It doesn't compute to everyday life. So I just want to throw out two things that we're going to spend a little time on today. It's the why. I think we can summarize it through these two verbs, gather and scatter. Why do we gather and then why do we go out? Why do we leave this place to go into life? And so there's two things that I think that will help us. We are here to gather. Gather to treasure Christ together. We are not only gathering to treasure Christ together, but we are scattering to live sent together. This is where I want to spend some time. Gathering to treasure Christ together, scattering to live sent together, it's an Two phrases to try to summarize why we're here. What it looks like to live out this mission statement. Why is it important that you are sitting where you are sitting right now? Why is it important that Jesus is with you when you leave these doors? Number one, gathering to treasure Christ. This church was founded with this name, because of this verse right here Matthew 13:44 should be on the screen for you it says this The kingdom of heaven is like a treasure hidden in a field which a man found and covered up Then in his joy he goes and sells all he has and buys that field The kingdom of heaven is like a treasure hidden in a field. What's supposed to happen when you think about treasure? The heart is meant to begin to have these senses of longing. Treasure. Every one of you, when you've made a purchase that you've wanted to make, have had this sense going on in the heart. Haven't you? It could be a car, it could be a house, it could be I know when we adopted it was just like good night. There was this massive sense of the, of the, the giving of your life financially and the sense of receiving. There's this sense of all these things that we could give to. And you have this sense when you exchange money. When, when something happens, there's this stirring. There's this excitement. There's this receiving. And he's saying, the kingdom of heaven... Thinking about God and His rule and His reign, there's something that that's meant to parallel. But this isn't just any ordinary treasure. It's when He finds it. He covers it up, and then in His joy sells everything so that He can have that one thing. There is no greater thing than that one thing, and that is treasure. Christ as Treasure. And this is why we gather. There is no greater thing on this earth, no greater pursuit we can have than Christ as that treasure. We sell everything for Christ as that treasure. Let me just beat this drum just a little harder. The scriptures say this is most central. Psalm 27:4. One thing have I asked of the Lord and stop right now. Some of you know this verse. And some of you are like, okay, I get this. Move on to something more important. There is nothing more important. This is everything. And this isn't about your brain getting it. It's about your heart feeling it. And right now as I read these scriptures, just pray, God, help me feel. There is no greater ambition. Not your children, not your marriage, nothing. No other relationship, no other purchase, nothing that is greater than this right here. One thing, one thing I have asked of the Lord, and that's what I'm going after. Friends, I know what it's like to be dull when I read verses like this. I know what it's like to not tear up, but to grow cold. I know what it's like to be scattered and rather check email or read the news or check the sports stat than to focus right here. But there is one thing, nothing greater. And David says, that's what I ask, that's what I'll seek after, that I may be with you. All the days of my life, to gaze upon your beauty, our greatest need is to see, to see. And to be in his presence, inquiring of him, talking to him, communing with him. Whole Bible, I believe, summarized by Psalm 73, 28. But for me, it is good. Goodness is defined by being near to God. Psalm sixteen eleven. You make known to me the paths of life, which way I should go, what is best, the direction of life. You make known to me the paths of life, and in your, say it with me, presence is fullness of joy there's a reason why every other pursuit falls short it's in his presence is fullness of joy and at your right hand are pleasures forever your pleasure that you experience now is genuine pleasure and it's an echo of what's to come but it is a fleeting pleasure according to the author of Hebrews this is a pleasure that will last forever forever and that's why for many of us who are on our 60-day reading challenge, this Habits of Grace, to stay in God's Word, we read the Lord's Prayer. Luke 11, the people gathered and they said, his disciples, by watching, Pastor Byron shared this in one of his comments, just by watching Jesus' life, they were so struck by how he prayed, they wanted to know how to commune with God that way. So Lord, teach us to Pray. And the first words that he encourages to come out of the mouth is, Father, child, you get it? You get the relationship? Father who loves me, I want your name to be hallowed, revered, loved, most famous, treasured. That's why we're here how you talk about others. Psalm 96 says, Declare His glory among the nations. His marvelous works among all the peoples because great is the Lord and greatly to be praised. What is to be on our mouths to God and what is to be on our mouths to one another is the greatness of God Himself. And to the degree that we struggle with that treasure, we ourselves will shrink in joy. And those around us will as well. There is no greater treasure. There is no greater delight. There is no more intimate relationship. There is no deeper well of love and patience. No greater reservoir of life-giving water. No higher peak of sustaining joy. No distance you can go where He is not. And where He is, He is a good shepherd all the time, all the way. All our possessions, all our activities, all other relationships will fall short of the fullness of peace and contentment. That comes with being with christ so why do we gather today i hope it's clear we gather to treasure another we gather so that our cold hearts might be stirred and i put mine there with yours We gather so that what is most important would come right back to the front of our brains and our minds and our hearts. We gather because we're forgetful. We gather to treasure Christ. And this is what leads us to Hebrews chapter 10. It's in Hebrews chapter 10 where I think this is most clearly stated. And these words, this paragraph, is so beautiful. You could spend so much time here, but I'm just going to fly right through it. It says this, Therefore, brothers and sisters, that is church, since we have confidence to enter the holy places by the blood of Jesus, there's Gospel 101, You cannot come into the presence of God without the blood of Jesus covering your sins. If you haven't confessed your inability to get rid of your guilt and shame, your inability to overcome your relational struggles, your inability to wash yourself clean, then He is calling for repentance. He is calling for faith that the blood of Jesus is the only thing that can wash you clean and set you free. And so he says, therefore, since we, that is the church, have confidence to draw near to him by the blood of Jesus, by the new and living way that he opened for us through the curtain, that is his flesh. The image is the holy of holies, the temples. How do you get into the most intimate place with God? The curtain had to be ripped. What was that curtain? It was his body on the cross. And he died So that we might have full unfettered access into his presence. Verse 21. And since we have a great high priest over the house of God. You had to have a mediator in order to get to God because people were so sinful. Me, sinful. You, sinful. How do we get to God? Jesus Christ is now the one great high priest. The only mediator needed between God and man. We don't have to go through a priest. You don't have to go through a pastor. You go directly to God. He invites you in with confidence because of the blood of Jesus, because of Christ who he is. And now three commands in this passage, three. They all start with let us. So when I say let us and I say it fast, I'm not talking about a salad. Let us, verse 22, let us draw near. Let us draw near. He begins there because that's first. Why do we gather? We gather because we need to draw near to God. Let us draw near with a true heart in full assurance of faith. With our hearts sprinkled clean from an evil conscience. That is God's made our hearts new. And then he says bodies washed with a pure water. That is a symbol of A declaration of when you trust in Christ, there is a baptism that follows as our first step of obedience. He says, let us draw near. Draw near to God. It is an invitation that our Father says, come near, come near, come near. We gather to treasure Christ. Second command is this. Let us hold fast. Let us hold fast the confession Of our hope. It is drawing near to Jesus and holding on with all your might. But rest assured. It doesn't fully rest upon your grip but on His. And He will never let you go. But it doesn't mean you don't have to fight to hold on tight. He won't let you go. But here it's a declaration of endurance. There will be an attack at every turn. There will be things to lull you away at every turn. Let us hold fast our confession that Christ is Lord, that He is greatest without wavering. Verse 23 says, for He who promised is faithful. He's not going to let you down. There's nothing to be ashamed of with Him. And so The third one then is, let us. Let us draw near. Let us hold fast. Let us consider. Think on. And a thinking that leads to action. How to stir one another up to love and good works. Not neglecting to meet together as is the habit of some. But encouraging one another all the more as you see the day drawing near. This is why I say we gather to treasure Christ. We gather to draw near to him. To help us endure in the battle and to consider how we might stir one another up to love and good deeds. And the author of Hebrews says part of that is the necessity of being near to each other. You can't just do that in your closet. You've got to be near to each other. You've got to listen to each other. You've got to talk to each other. You've got to share the struggles and the joys with each other. So don't neglect meeting together as is the habit of some. Or you'll watch it unravel. You won't consider others better than yourself. You'll start considering you. And then you'll loosen your grip on the Lord. And you will let go. And you'll be starting to do this. And then you won't draw near to Him because other things are so much more pleasurable. It's an unraveling effect. The image that came to me was like a hurricane. If you knew a hurricane was coming and your family was there with you. And these are the people that you love the most. Let's just pretend that's who's with you. What do you do? You want to draw near to that which is stable. You get close to that which is going to be safe in the midst of the storm. And then you hold fast onto that which is safe and secure. And then you make sure that those who are around you are drawn in as well. That they are anchored into what is safe and secure. This is the image. Draw near to him. Cling tightly to him. And don't forget others because that's their greatest need as well. Draw him in and then that will be reproduced over and over and over. We gather to treasure Christ together. Not separately. We gather to be with him. And so, why do we come in here? Just Let's just hit rewind, okay? We've walked in here. You saw some people if in the foyer you said hi to them. Sometimes that frustrates you because you don't know them. Been in church together for three years. I'm not sure I know much more about them than I did three years ago. You get frustrated by that. You come in here. Some of you dropped your kids off. Come in here, sit down. We sing a song. You're just starting to wake up. I come up and do announcements. You treat those like emails. You don't read them. Just kidding. I just had to say that. (gasps) No, you're just trying to wake up. I get it. Then, we hear this career discovery video, and you think, that's pretty cool. I like that. But you're not sure how to follow up, other than email Heather. Then we sing three more songs. And then we have this basket that comes around. And we're forced every single time to think about what am I doing with my resources. Then we sit here, open up the Bible. Your heart's just trying to still shake off some cobwebs. You begin to understand a few things. You take a a life lesson out. You forget it by lunchtime. And we just keep going through the routine. Is that really it? Is that it, really? There's so much that happens when we come here. There's so much that happens when we gather. I can't tell you how many people have been encouraged by four-year conversations. I can't tell you how many people have not given up on Jesus. Because somebody was burdened for them and went and prayed for them in this moment right here. I can't tell you how many parents have been encouraged because, unknown to the worker back there, their kids talked about Jesus when they were at home. I can't tell you how many people have had, maybe not a sermon point, but a line of a song that they can't get out of their mind. They talked about the goodness of God to them and how he was faithful 10,000 times over. And I can't tell you the ripple effects that have happened because people have said, Jesus, I treasure you more than the money in my pocket. And they give us an act of worship to watch God do amazing things. And to see people take His Word and to treasure. To have over 80 people that say they want to read God's Word day in and day out and to be stirred to do that. I hear of texts that go forward to people because we have gathered. They've been stirred up. They've started reading their Bible and then they start spreading. What we do here matters. And if you don't know the why it won't matter to you. You'll be sucked into the cycle of routine, and you won't see your place in the picture. Let me just use KTC as an example. KTC is our kids treasuring Christ. For many, it's nursery. That is, kids need somebody to be with them. I can do that. I'll sacrifice my time. Let me promise you this. They'll rarely thank you. They will rarely listen to you. They will forget what you say. And they'll be more excited about snack than the Bible. Anybody want to sign up? KTC. Oh, you'll have to give an hour and a half of your time. But what if you knew the why? What if what you rehearsed was not first the sacrifice, but the why? I'm freeing up parents to have a moment of undistracted time so that they might see clearly a beautiful Savior and might have somebody to give away to the next generation. What about you saying, I'm training a generation to know God's word? I still remember verses that I learned when I was a kid. And they are easier to memorize now because I memorized them then. And they're like dynamite in the heart. That as those things get stored right here, there will come a point when the Spirit of God blows on them like a fire and their heart will explode in love for God because the Word is hidden in the heart. Even though it might have been done just so they could get a snack. Or they could be with a friend. And Jesus even says, when you receive little children, you're not just acting like Jesus. You're actually receiving the risen Savior himself. You know why we do this? We gather to treasure Christ together from the cradle to the grave. And if you knew and rehearsed the why more than you did the sacrifice, it would be great to be a greeter. It would be great to serve in KTC. Friends, this is not a plug to get more people to serve. This is a push to say, do we know why we're doing what we're doing? It is to try to deliver us from the monotony of routine and to breathe a sense of life into why we do what we do. I've grown up all my life going to church. It can be like your job. You just go and you just do it. What you're supposed to do. Oh, friends. This, this is where life happens. This is where life happens. I was reading a book called A Pastor, A Memoir. The Pastor, A Memoir by Eugene Peterson. Very eccentric man. He says some crazy stuff, but he says some really good stuff too. He tells a story of a building program they did as a church and how they just rallied the troops and everybody got so excited and they just saw purpose and excitement about why they were doing what they were doing. There was just life. And then they got in the building. And one of the lead guys for this building program who was just spearheading it all, you began to see him and his wife just a little bit less. And then you didn't see him for a couple months. The pastor went and talked to him and said, how are you guys doing? I haven't seen you in a while. What's going on? He's just like, my wife and I decided one Sunday to go fishing, which is permissible. It's okay. It's good. Here's what he said. I realized that when I was out in nature, I actually experienced some of the same feelings I had when I was at church. I felt a sense of peace, felt good with my wife, kind of fun. And so we just decided that we would check in every now and then, but we're feeling the same things that we felt before. I felt those things. You felt those things. Why not make that decision? If you don't know the why, there's no reason you wouldn't. Because the answer to the why in that person's heart was to help me feel a certain way. And Friends, I want you to know that is part of why we gather. It's so that your heart would find peace and contentment and joy. And I believe fishing is wonderful for some people. And they can experience the living God there. It's not that you can't worship while you fish. I think you can. But why do we gather? Why is this important? It says in the book of Hebrews, don't neglect meeting together as is the habit of some, so that you would encourage one another and not forget the day that is drawing near. We need to gather not just for our own hearts, not just for our own worship, but for one another. For one another. I thought about this the other day. I was like, what if I told everyone in the room, next week, one of you is going to share three minutes about God? Three minutes. Be ready. Just going to call you. One, many would not show up. If you were going to show up, then you probably would be ready. Here's what that would mean. It would mean you would probably have taken some time to think about what's been important about God to you, a verse that has struck you, something that encouraged you, and You'd be ready. But it would make you all terrified. Welcome to my life, okay? (laughs) I get it. But I'm saying you have that opportunity every single week. It's just not on a stage. It's right there. It's right there. It's out there. At that playground. Every single time we gather. And we make it so complicated. I can't do that. That's for the professionals. Garbage. It's for you and me. If I can do it. The one terrified of public speaking all the way through college. Then God can do anything. This isn't about a public speech. It's about two things. Share a struggle. Share a strength. That's what I do. Share where I'm weak because the Bible tells me I should boast in my weakness. Why? So the people give me pity? Nope, that's temptation, but that's not the deal. Boast in weakness so that Christ's strength might be shown to be even greater. Might be made perfect. Just share. Share. My reading was dry this week. It was dry this week. This is not a personal testimony. I'm just sharing what what some struggles might be. I've had those moments though. Reading was dry this week. And I struggled. But God stayed near to me. There's the strength. I knew that He loved me. And there was one time when He actually used a line that I had read to encourage somebody else. Share a struggle. I was anxious over my kids. I still am. But the strength. God promised me that he is working for me right now. So I feel like the disciples. I believe, but help my unbelief. My belief is weak. You know where I got that line? From reading my Bible this week in the 60-day reading plan. That's where we were. I believe, help my unbelief. I was like, that's me. Where do we get this stuff? Where can you get the hope of the gospel? Right here. His precious word. Share a struggle. Share a strength. Ed Welch says this. We spend too much time concealing our neediness. We need to stop hiding. Being needy is our basic Condition. Some of us struggle to share a weakness. Because you're afraid. But I promise you this. I've spent time with many of you in this room. Every one of you struggles. I struggle. I'm weak. That's actually the design. Because where we're limited and we own up to it, Jesus gets more glory. Share a struggle and then share his strength. His strength. His goodness. His presence. His promise. His faithfulness. It says, hold fast because the Lord is faithful. But don't just share a struggle. Some of you are like, I can't think of a struggle. Share a victory. Share an answer to prayer. Share where you've seen God at work. This week I went out to lunch with a guy, a friend of mine named Steve Noble. And as I was sitting with him, before I went, I was a little discouraged in my heart. I felt really scattered. You've heard me say this probably 700 times. Welcome to my life. I'm a scattered man in my brain. But I felt scattered. And... But I had a lunch appointment, and I was going to go eat with him. Steve is a dear friend, a dear believer. And as we sat down to eat, the Lord just began to do something. Our togetherness began to do a work in my heart. He asked me what God was teaching me. I asked him what God was teaching him. We just shared about being parents. We just shared about life. We shared our journeys a little bit more. And by the time I was done through hearing him and here's what was cool. By me actually starting to talk and to share I began to learn out of my own mouth. The Spirit of God does that. He does it for me every single Sunday. I'm learning right now. He does that. Why do we gather? We gather because the greatest need for every one of us, is to treasure Jesus Christ. But it has been hardwired into the fabric of the universe and into our souls that we must do that together. And so we gather to do that together. To point one another to Jesus. To encourage one another every day as long as it is called today. To sing truths about God. To listen to one another. To pray for one another. To give generously so that one another can be stirred up towards generosity. We gather to treasure Christ. Dear friends. I can't tell you how many times I have been pulled away from sin because of a casual comment that somebody has made about what was going on in their life and it struck me and I was different. And I might not have ever told you about that. It happens all the time. There are supernatural spiritual things happening as we gather and my prayer has been, oh God, help us to see them. We gather to treasure Christ. Together, And the last point is so much shorter. But we scatter to live sent together. We scatter then to live sent together. If we gather together to make disciples who treasure Christ, we also are being equipped, as Hebrews 10 says, consider how to stir one another up towards love and good works. We are meant to stir one another up towards loving one another and doing good works to those who do not know Jesus. There's a man named Larry Osborne. I have read several books by him. He's a leadership guy. He's a, a Christian pastor of a church in California. Um, very thankful for his ministry. He said that growing up, he played a game called giveaway checkers. His granddaddy played giveaway checkers with him. The point of giveaway checkers was to position your checkers in such a way that you would lose the checkers. And the one who gave away all the checkers was the winner. He was like, that's kind of a weird way to play checkers. (laughs) But he said, little did I know that I was being taught one of the most valuable lessons in all of life, in marriage, and in church. Those that give away the most end up gaining the most. That's what he said. And friends, this is what our Savior did. Jesus came. He was sent by the Father. He was a sent one. It says over 44 times in the New Testament, Jesus was sent by the Father. He is a sent one. And he was sent to give away his very life. So that we might gain ours. That's part of us treasuring Christ. But it's also. What we give away. That's why Jesus says in John 20, 21. He says this. Peace be with you. As the Father has sent me. Even so I am sending you. Remember we're trying to answer the why question. Why do we gather We gather to treasure Christ together. And why do we exist? We exist to not only be disciples, but to make disciples who treasure Christ, love the church, one another, love the city, and love the world. That is why Jesus came as a sent one. Even as the Father has sent me, so I am sending you. I've been reading a book by J.D. Greer entitled, gaining by losing. It's a wonderful book. I recommend it highly. But he says this in his book that we don't send out missionaries, we are missionaries. According to John 2021, 20, that's exactly what it means. Jesus was sent on a mission to save people from their sins. As the Father has sent me, so I am sending you, sacrifice your life and your resources so that others might treasure that beautiful Savior and follow Him all the days of their lives. We are sent as missionaries. And friends, we must understand this is why why we exist and what our mission is and where we are headed And sometimes, friends, we just, we get so overwhelmed by the task, we miss the constant opportunities for making disciples right in front of us. Later on in JD's book, he says this, he talks about the principle of exponential growth. The need for the church to understand that multiplication is better than addition. And he used this analogy that I I had heard before, and you probably have heard too, even back when I was in middle school. It was this. If you have a choice between receiving $10,000 a day for 30 days, or getting one penny doubled each day, which would you choose? Well, most who want the money right now, immediate gratification would be like, okay, I'm not the smartest one in the bunch, but seven days gives me 70 grand, okay? I can do a lot with 70 grand by the end of the week. So that's the route I'm going. 30 days, you have $300,000. It's a lot of money. And so which one are you going to take? You will probably say $10,000 because a penny doesn't sound very good. But if you chose the 10 grand, you would leave about 10 million on the table. 10 million. Because of the result of multiplication. In four months, do you have that number by chance? That's how much money you would have in four months. I'm not even going to try to read it. It's got words that I, I don't use and don't even really know. Tillion is in there somewhere. In four months. What's the point? The point is, our culture breeds bigger, faster, stronger, do it more famously, and do it now. Give it to me, give it to me now, I cannot wait. But for those who wait, there's a greater price. When we consider what it looks like to make disciples, we look at our Savior. Our Savior said, it is better for me to leave so that you might get the Holy Spirit. Just track with that. It's better that the best preacher in the universe leave so that the Holy Spirit might come. It's better that the holiest man ever to exist leave that the Holy Spirit might come. Why is that? When Jesus left, he left only 120 faithful, devoted followers. But those 120 were filled with his Holy Spirit on the day of Pentecost. And it led to exponential growth because they believed Jesus and took him at his word. Peace be unto you. As the Father has sent me, I send you. Some of you are frustrated because you haven't seen hundreds or ten come to faith in Jesus and you've been working on one relationship forever. Some of you are like, well man, they're able to do this over here and I'm just trying to keep my head above water with my kids. Friends, we are making disciples. My parents, they taught me a valuable lesson growing up. This is just a a lesson of generosity. They opened up their home to have people live with them all while I was growing up. They just did it. And that left a mark on me. I got to see people and live life with people, I got used to people being in my house. And now, their two kids like to do that as well. And now, I pray. Kids talk this way already. My four kids will like to do that as well. You see how exponential growth matters? If we're giving away Christ and seeing every relationship as a disciple-making relationship in the everyday, we are forming people into the likeness of Jesus. Stay-at-home moms, don't be discouraged. You're making disciples. I know it's not very glamorous. But you're making disciples. How you respond when things are hard. And then when you fail at that time. Like I have before when things are hard. I promise you this. And take this to the bank parents. Your kids will care more that you were humble than that you were right. They will care that you are able to say, I'm sorry, I should not have done that. And in those statements, you are making disciples. You're showing them how a follower of Jesus walks in everyday life. Because the last I checked, we're here gathering together for a few hours a week. But we're following Jesus all the time. We don't like having off time when we're not following Jesus. We're always following him. why we watch what we watch, how we spend our money, are we laughing, are we happy, what do we do when we plant trees like I did yesterday in my backyard, can you do that to the glory of God, let me give you a hint, yes you can and it's not by just talking about God with every shovel dig, it's about just doing it well, it's about enjoying the task, it's about letting others come alongside you and help you, it's about teaching lessons and yes it's about saying God's pretty amazing for creating this tree. It's about doing life in the everyday. Some of you are relegating disciple-making to something really glamorous. It feels like only those who go overseas are the disciple-makers. Martin Luther, the reformer, said this, Our vocations are like masks. God wears in caring for the world. Just Let that soak in. What we do for a living is like masks that communicate God caring for the world. Luther says this. When you pray the Lord's Prayer, Father, give us this day our daily bread. Here's Luther's explanation of that. How do we get our daily bread? By means of a farmer who planted and harvested the grain. The baker who made the flour into bread. The person who prepared the meal. All these are in play when God answers our prayer for daily bread. They're masks that God wears to care for the world. What you do day in and day out is God caring for the world. The policeman enforcing good laws the school teacher caring for children and educating our world so we're not in a muck nurses resembling and reflecting the greatness and goodness of God's creation and helping fostering healing and showing compassion lawyers who try to enforce just laws judges who enforce just laws landscapers who reflect God's creativity and manage their the people well there's over and over we are on the front lines of mission not right here only but as we live sent, where we are. The CNA, they get to care for people. The certified nurse assistant, they care for people in their last days. They get to show the care of Jesus. They get to help families know that somebody cares for their family if they're in a nursing home. The banker, they understand money. They see when people overcompromise themselves in money. And they would be in a unique position to speak to the fleeting pleasures of money. To give generously themselves and then to encourage others that don't overcompromise yourself. Here's what I've seen. Follow Jesus and sacrifice your life financially for what matters. Those who deal with computers. So many things would not function well. There would be chaos in our world today without many of these things that we are designing the cloud from apps to marketing. You are in the hands of God. You are wearing a mask of God's care to the world. Let alone every profession, no matter what you do, is an opportunity to reflect how you handle conflict. Because unless you work by yourself all the time, which is impossible, you're going to interact with somebody and you're going to have to learn how to handle conflict. And there's a shocking difference between followers of Jesus handling conflict and somebody who doesn't know Jesus. There's anger, cursing, revenge versus forgiveness, prayer, pursuit, peace. You're not defined by a perfect performance, by a, per- by a perfect Savior, so you deal with Failure differently, we are scattered to live sent. And that is not just sent for our Loving the City summer camp that is coming up, or not just sent when it comes to some program we have. It's about relationship after relationship, investing in one life at a time and trusting that when that life catches Christ, they will give it away. And the exponential work of multiplication takes off. Friends, I encourage you today. The why matters. Why do we gather? We gather to treasure Christ together. And why do we exist? We exist to make disciples. We exist to live as sent ones together, encouraging one another to stay on mission in our homes, in our neighborhoods, among the poor and to the ends of the earth. This is a glorious reason to exist. And God promises that He will be with you always until you you see Him face to face. That's worth living your life for. Let's pray. Father, I pray that we would gather with purpose to treasure You and we would do it together. We would come prepared week in and week out ready to give away the good news of Christ, to one another, to pray with one another, to encourage those visitors who are just trying to figure out their next place in the world. Lord, I ask that we would come not only to receive and to feel lifted up, but we would come to encourage one another daily and remind one another of that last day, which is our home. Father, I ask that just as you sent your son into the world and he sacrificed everything that you have said, this is why I have saved you but we are all missionaries we don't just send out missionaries we are missionaries made in your image with a purpose to show people Jesus that they might treasure Christ and love the church and love their neighbor love the city love the world Father please may we gather to treasure you together and may we scatter to live sent together thank you thank you For always being faithful, for never leaving us, for giving us this purpose, and for being the one that satisfies our soul.